Good morning all to those in the hall and to those that are online uh, at home on YouTube. It's wonderful to have you with us. It's great to be here today. Um, today we continue the series on the character of God. I started the series a couple of weeks ago with my message, we call him Father. Um, Jill followed up with, does God only love me when I'm good? And then last week, Ray looked at what is God like, looking at three characteristics of God. God exists, in the beginning God, and God the creator. God always has been and always will be. Okay. He is outside of time and space as we know it, and God is the creator and sustainer of all things. He spoke the world, the universe, and all creation beyond what we can see and know at this time into being. His word, he spoke it and came into being. So when these um, people that talk about evolution and they ask you, you know, what do you think about the Big Bang? I always say there was a Big Bang because that was when God spoke. Because if you know anything about sound, it's energy. When you speak, there's a release of energy. The Big Bang was God speaking. So that fits in with what the the scientists are, are discovering now. They know something happened. Ray recommended a number of books for us to read on the subject. I trust you had a look at the list that was uh, sent out in the weekly email that I do, and that you're considering adding one, uh, which ones you're adding to your library um, to read. Some of them you can do online. You can download them into your, on your computer or on your tablet or whatever and read them. Uh, some of them you have to buy. So a couple of weeks ago, I got a copy of the one book Ray recommended, Incomparable by Andrew Wilson, and I'm really enjoying reading it. It has 60 short chapters, and like Ray said last week, uh, like like Ray did last week, I'm using the titles of two of these chapters as the basis for my message today. The first of the two, the first of the two characteristics of God I'm looking at today is God is incomparable. God is incomparable. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer's lease hath all too short a date. Sometime too hot the eye of heaven shines, and often is his gold complexion dimmed, and every fair from fair sometime declines, by chance or nature's changing course untrimmed. By thy eternal summer shall not fade, but thy eternal summer shall not fade, nor lose possession of what that fair thou owest, nor shall death brag thy wondrous rest in his shade. When in eternal lines to time thou growest, so long as men can breathe or eyes can see, so long lives this, and this gives life to thee. Sonnet 18 by William Shakespeare. Now, how many of you ever had to study this literature when you were at secondary school? Now, if English wasn't your mother tongue, you, uh, yeah, it's fine. Hmm? No? Okay. Sorry, a bit of a buzz. Yeah. Um, now, if English wasn't your mother tongue, um, or you didn't do English literature, you might not have done it. Um, So what has Shakespeare got to do with what I'm speaking about today, you may ask? Rightly so. 
what does it have to do with today's message? Very little, except to be an illustration. Shakespeare is describing someone in this sonnet. How does he do it? By comparison. By describing things that we can relate to. He's describing this person using an English summer as his template. You can do this with a person. You can talk about their sunny disposition or their rapier-sharp wit, their fair complexion and rosy cheeks, or their chiseled good looks. Now, we often use comparisons when we are trying to describe someone or something. But it needs to be something that the person you are making the description to understands. They have a knowledge of it. How do you describe the skyscrapers of New York City to an unschooled nomadic Bedouin living in the arid North African desert? They have no concept of buildings because all they understand and have experienced their whole life is the tents in which they and their forefathers have lived in for centuries as they've wandered across North Africa. Now this is the problem we have when trying to describe God because he is incomparable. There is nothing that we know that we can compare God to. Nothing that he created comes anywhere near to being something that we can compare God to. He is vaster than the oceans, which cover nearly three-quarters of the earth's surface. Now, if you've ever been in the middle of the ocean, you understand how small you are. But when you then compare the vastness of, this ocean, of the earth's ocean with the vastness of the heavens, our universe, it's minute. And God is far greater than any of these. It is the problem that the prophets of old had too, as, I, as Isaiah reminds us. To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? As for an idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. Isaiah 40, verses 18 to 22. False gods, also known as idols, are crafted by man and are an abysmal attempt to fashion something that represents God. Nothing man can create comes anywhere near how great God is. God is incomparable. I love the last part of, this, of the last verse in this portion of Scripture. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. Last Sunday, Ray spoke about the God of creation and gave us a whole lot of information about the universe and galaxies, the speed of life, the orbit of the sun, among other things. And after the sermon, during our discussion time at our table, I mentioned how it wasn't, it wasn't until quite recently that scientists believed that the universe was spherical in shape and expanding outwards. But then as technology progressed, 
they've concluded that the universe is not spherical, but flat, like a canopy on an old-style Middle Eastern tent that is relatively flat and spreads out and is continuing to spread out. It's wide, it's square, but it's, there's depth to it as well. And that's how they see the universe, the, the universe and everything around it now. Once again, Scripture has been proven correct by science, rather than science proving it wrong. So how do we describe God when we are asked to? We can only describe aspects of God, characteristics of God, as we are doing in this sermon series. We can never describe God in his fullness. We are finite with finite minds and understanding, whereas God is infinite and cannot be contained in our descriptions of him because there is nothing to which he is comparable. Even in the songs that we sing about God, we don't do full justice to who God really is. We can come close at times. If you think about the song Indescribable that Chris Tomlin sings, it says, From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea, creations revealing your majesty. From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring, every creature unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are an amazing God. All-powerful, untamable, awestruck, we fall at your, at, to our knees as we humbly proclaim, you are amazing God. Who has told every lightning bolt where it should go, or seen heavenly storehouses laden with snow, who imagined the sun and gives source to its light, yet conceals it to bring us the coolness of night. None can fathom. Incomparable, unchangeable, you see the depths of my heart, and you love me the same. You are amazing God. You are amazing God. Amazing. It is a wonderful song. We love singing it. We're not singing it today, but uh, it's a great song. And it does give us some understanding of how, God, uh, how vast God is, how he's beyond anything we can, we can use to describe him. It just gives us a glimpse of the amazement of God. He is so, so much more than what we and how we can describe him. Maybe we need to follow the example of Paul the Apostle during his visit to Rome. Paul then stood, stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, sorry, Athens, not Rome, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. 
Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Acts chapter 17, verses 22 to 31. The best we can do to explain God to people is to use the example of Paul and talk about Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God who came to earth in the flesh. We can share the truth of Jesus, who he is, and what he has done for us through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. We will look at this aspect of God later in this series. I want to conclude this first portion of this sermon by quoting from Andrew Wilson's book, Incomparable. God cannot be compared to other gods, to earthly rulers, to the the sky above, or anything in creation. He is simply in a completely different league. Comparisons, and much more so physical images of God, are totally inadequate and limit our understanding of God. However much we may want to explain God in nice, neat ways, God transcends our categories. He is, quite literally, incomparable. The second thing I want to talk about is God is unknowable, yet knowable. During the first sermon of this series, we call him Father. I spoke quite a lot about my father, how he, being a good and loving father to my siblings and me, helped me to understand and accept God as my Heavenly Father who loves me and cares for me and has my best interest at heart. Now it amazes me when speaking to some of the young guys that I work with at Gallo Glass about their parents, how little they know about their parents. When I ask them how old their parents are, many of them are not sure. And very few of them know their parents' birth dates. They might know their birthday but not the year in which they were born. I find that quite strange that so many of them do not know their parents very well. I suppose it is the product of the demise of the family unit, where not everyone grows up with their father and mother being married and living together. It's where single-parent families are more common than when I was their age. There's a lot that I know about my parents, but there's a lot that I don't know about them. Likewise with Jill my wife of 36 years. There's a lot that I don't know about her, but there are still th- there's a lot that I do know about her, but there is still a lot that I don't know about her. For example, who her best friend was at primary school. I know when she is upset, and I know when she is happy, but I don't always know why she's upset or happy. Most times it's because of me, but... Uh, <laughs> There's a lot that I know about her, but there are also things I don't know about her. But I know that I love her, and she loves me, and we are still finding out things about each other as we grow older together. And that is much the same with us and God. There's so much about God that is unknowable. How he is able to hear each and every one of us when we are praying. When we were praying earlier this morning, God heard each one of us. Now that just amazes me, because if we had to all pray out aloud, 
we wouldn't be able to stand there and listen to all of it and hear each prayer. We would get confused. But God hears each and every one of us when we are praying. How he, he does it, I don't know. But yet he knows our thoughts even before we speak them out and pray them out. But when you pray, Jesus said, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. He knows what we need before we even ask him. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't that be wonderful if we could do that with our spouse or with our children or with those that, our parents? We don't know how God performs miracles, but we know that he does them, and we continue to pray for miracles. We don't have to know how God performs the miracles. He does. We just need to know that he does perform them, and we keep believing that he will, and we keep on asking him to perform them. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him, before Jesus, and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in a, in a bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. Matthew eight fourteen to 60. God heals in many different ways. Sometimes it's when hands are laid on the person needing the healing. Other times it's just a word given and that person is healed. Sometimes the healing has to be commanded, spoken over the, the person with authority, a command to be healed. And it happens. We cannot put God in a box and expect him to do healings in the same way each and every time we come to him for healing. He is God, and he does it his way. Man has been seeking God from the beginning of time, but without a revelation from God, man will always create their God or gods in their own image. God knew this, and thus from the beginning of time, he had already prepared a way for man to get to know him, and that was through Jesus. God revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ. It takes a revelation from God for us to know God. So God is knowable. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Matthew 11, verse 27. Jesus reveals the Father to us. Our salvation comes from a revelation of who God is as seen in Jesus Christ. Our understanding of God comes through the revelation of who Jesus is. Once we know Jesus, we get to know God. People who want to know God without wanting to know Jesus will end up chasing after false gods. Only Jesus can reveal the true God to us. So if someone comes to you and asks you about God, you have to speak to them about Jesus in order for them 
to have a revelation of who God is. The Father knows the Son, the Son knows the Father, and reveals him to us. I want to finish off by once more quoting from Incomparable by Andrew Wilson. He says, There is no learning or wisdom in all the world that is capable of fathoming or understanding God. But God takes the initiative and reveals himself to us in ways we can relate to. By living within us through his Holy Spirit, by inspiring a book, and most astonishingly, by becoming a man. So God is unknowable in that we can never fully understand him and cannot know him without revelation. But he is knowable because he has revealed himself through Jesus. No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Amen. So we're going to have a look at some questions for discussion. You know, put them up on the screen and for those... On, uh, that are watching on YouTube, you can end, we'll end your meeting shortly. I just want to read through these questions, and then we'll put them up for you in the, uh, on the Zoom. Okay. What one thing stood out for you from this message? Secondly, how did you get to know God? Share your experience. Do you struggle to share God with non-believers? Why? If you don't struggle to share God with non-believers, how do you go about it? So if you don't have a struggle, share that with others on your table in the group. Pray for one another for wisdom to be able to share who God is with non-believers.